Hello everybody. Welcome. As we continue on in our study right now through the Old Testament, um, we are working through the Bible together a chapter at a time. We did five years in the New Testament and uh, we covered uh, all of it and that was great. We just finished that. So now we started our 15-year journey into the Old Testament. So you have plans for the next 15 years and uh, it's a 20-year run to get through the Bible a chapter at a time. That's how long it takes, a chapter at a time. Uh, so we might shave off a little time by combining some of the Psalms, but I don't know. So we might lose all that again in 119 because we've got to take it all back out because that's a great big long one. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, call it 15 years, and that'll be good. So, uh, I, you know, things could change. God could come back. That would, you know, Jesus comes back. That will stop things. <laughs> That would change some stuff. And um, people ask me all the time, think I'm joking. What happens when I finish? We'll start all over again. I'm, I'm curious to see what I'll think about the New Testament 15 years from now. Should be the same, but you never know. Uh, not in a bad way, you never know. I mean more insight, you know, more. You, you walk this stuff out for a while, and, and uh, it's fascinating to watch God. I think mostly God knocks some of the hard edges off. I don't know. I hope that's what happens. So I think that's a good thing. Um, so we're in Genesis now, and uh, we're in the 15th chapter today, working through a chapter at a time. There's, uh, it'll take us about a year to get all together to get through Genesis. And um, we're in chapter 15 today. Um, we took a couple of weeks. I had some of the younger guys preached, uh, preach on Wednesday night just to give them a chance to get some stuff uh, in the pulpit time and give my brain a little break. So we, uh, to kind of bring us up to uh, speed, if you were with us, uh, Genesis 14, uh, Abram uh, is involved in a battle where he rescues, he goes and he rescues Lot from these kings who had captured him, and God shows up, and Abram's able to um, overtake and overcome them, pretty big force, and, um, and then, you know, he's had a meeting with uh, Melchizedek and he's, uh, he's offered him a tenth of everything and he's given it to him and we talked about Melchizedek and how he shows up in the New Testament you know it's written about in the New Testament anyway and how that all ties together and then uh, Genesis 15 a very interesting chapter because um, uh, Genesis 15 really sort of deals with um, Abraham's emotions the last chapters, you know, when we've kind of made it, it's all about what he's been doing, his actions, how he went into this battle, you know, fearlessly chased after and chased down his, his nephews, um, uh, you know, the captors and overcame them and, and you know, defeated them. And um, now he's dealing with some fear, kind of an interesting thing to think about. And, uh, you know, Abraham is sort of the hero of faith. Uh, and, you know, he's listed in, in uh, the, the chapter on, on faith in, in Hebrews 11 as, you know, like the main guy. He's the, he's the guy who gets it and, and uh, the great man of faith. Uh, and yet we, we also see now um, that he has uh, emotions and um, that he has feelings. And I think it's, you know, we have to be careful to balance in our, in our walk of faith that we have feelings and emotions. Um, uh, and... and you know, we, we, here's the, we don't want to neglect them um, because there's a reason for them. They can't always be trusted, our emotions, so we've got to be careful that we don't allow our emotions to sort of bypass our minds or let our emotion get out of control. 
But it's, it's also unwise to su- suppress them because they're, they're there for a purpose. And, and um, your emotion uh, was created by God in you. And I think um, we're going to see this in Abram and we're going to watch God comfort him. Uh, but this whole idea was also, you know, shown in, in the Psalms. And, um, you know, we see David and the, the other writers of the Psalms were very honest with God about how they felt um, about him, how they felt about themselves, how they felt about their circumstances. And so I, I think this is all very legitimate um, in the way that we, we uh, operate with God and relate with God. Because um, sometimes we, we sort of have this idea that we need to have it all together all the time or, you know, that people of faith don't, don't struggle in these ways. And, and I don't believe that's a true um, thought. Uh, you know, so you, you have and we're given feeling and emotion for a reason. Like I said, the, the thing is to balance it, to not let... Yeah, you, you don't want to be run by your emotions, but at the same time, you don't want to deny that you have them. You know, Jesus um, certainly demonstrated emotion in, in his walk. Um, emotions of joy, sorrow, holy anger, love. Um, all of those were displayed by Jesus as valid. And again, as our model for life and ministry, we should always be looking to him. So, um, you know, hold that in balance. Uh, and, and don't suppress it, but take them to the Lord. That's the whole idea. It's, it's, the, it's the process. I, that's one of the reasons I love the Psalms. Um, if you've been here for any of your time, you know I, I've got a, I wrote a book about the Psalms. floats around here and sort of a way to read through them every month. And, and uh, I encourage people to read through. There's 150 Psalms that I have a plan in that book for reading through them um, every month. Be, because of all that they have and, and reading in the Scripture, people struggling um, and, and sometimes getting upset with God. Uh, you know, sometimes the psalmists are really, you can tell they're, they're angry and that it's okay, that God can handle it. I love the fact that our God is so big, He can handle our emotion and, and He can handle how we are feeling with things. Isn't it? So we have a God who can handle that stuff. And that's really good to know. You really need to know that. God, uh, He can handle it. He, he can take it. And because and, uh, He's God. So... Um, that's very freeing when you sort of figure that out. Again, not to be run by your emotions, but to understand that you were given emotion and feeling, and those are created in us, and they need to be, you know, dealt with appropriately and used appropriately in our Christian life. Otherwise, we become sort of very robotic, and that's not how you were created. Um, it's just not. So watching these guys play through this stuff and, and work through these things, I'm so glad, again, it's recorded in Scripture to see their ups and their downs and all their stuff, because it helps us to live in this world as people of faith and, and to understand what that really means. And, and Abraham was certainly a man of faith even, even when he struggles and even when he gets off track. Uh, so, Genesis 15, beginning in verse 1, 21 verses, I'll read them to you. I'm going to read out of the NIV. That's probably what's going to pop up on the screen. Um, but if you have a different translation, that's fine. Um, just read along or read what's on the notes. Here we go. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. 
Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited to him as righteousness. That's a very important scripture. If you, you should have that highlighted in your Bibles. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur and the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be hurled and be buried at a good um, old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadbanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Raphaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's not those names are pretty easy. The sites are okay. It's when they start changing the other stuff up, it gets really crazy. But there you go. So, uh, that's what's happening in Genesis 15. So let's kind of, let's talk about it a little. Um, in verse 1, Abraham's, Abram's afraid. Remember, he's still Abram at this point. The ha hasn't come yet into his name. That'll be here in a couple of chapters. Uh, then he'll be Abraham. Abraham. Right now he's Abram. Um, we believe that what he's fearful of at this moment is that um, the, the kings who he had just defeated will come back looking for vengeance. And um, that's, uh, that's not a good place to, um, to, to be. And, uh, you know, oftentimes when you've sort of um, been through a, a big deal in your life, there's a little emotional low on the other side of it. I don't know if, you've, if you can relate to that, but a lot of times when you really push through something major, on the other side of that, there's a little low. It's kind of fascinating how it happens, but it's, it's often um, that way, and you'll see it in places in Scripture. Uh, you know, I was thinking about, um, you know, Elijah, after the great battle with the false prophets and a huge win, and sees God move mightily, and then there's this huge low right afterwards uh, as all of a sudden the queen sort of threatens him and he, he kind of forgets everything just happened and goes into a really bad spot. Um, I think it's a similar situation here. So, so you know, the, the, God has just broken through mightily and, and you know, perhaps again, because we, we, we feel and we have emotion and things, we, we move through that situation, you know, and we're trusting in God and believing in Him and, and uh, you know, there's probably a measure of grace and, and adrenaline and all sorts of stuff that gets us through that point. And on the other side of that, even though God has moved mightily, oftentimes there's a little valley dip down. And, and so um, Abram's experiencing this now uh, in this process. You know, are they going to come back and get me? What's going to happen next? You know, 
And, and, and we see God move mightily, but, but often, even great faith, we, we wonder if he's going to keep doing that or what's next. And so God gives him two really good reasons for courage. Uh, he promises to protect him, and he also promises him a great reward. And so, you know, whenever you get to that spot where you begin to get fearful about what's coming, because that's what, that's what that's all about, you've you got to know that you can trust God and, and um, that he's, he's given us um, promises equal to what he gave Abram. We have eternal life uh, promised to. It's a fascinating uh, promise that we have. And um, we need to remember that in the midst of situations that we go through. Um, two, and two and three verses. Eliezer uh, is Abram's most trusted servant. So he's sort of the household administrator um, at this process. And, um, and so tradition would have it that if Abram were to die without a son, uh, his, his um, eldest servant would become his heir. And uh, although Abram certainly loved uh, Eliezer, he, he wanted a son to carry on the family line. So he has that discussion with God. Uh, in verse 5, um, Abram, uh, interestingly, wasn't promised wealth or fame because he already had those things. Uh, he had wealth, certainly, and, uh, uh, y you know, um, he, he was, I would say, you know, with God's kind of connection, he was, he was pretty well known by God, so that's, a, that's about as good as it gets. Uh, and um, so God promises him descendants like the stars in the sky or the grains of sand on the seashore. Too numerous to count. Um, we actually live in a great place to relate to that verse um, because here, if you go outside and get away from all that, if there's no street lights or anything around, you start looking up at the sky. The stars here are amazing because the air is so clear and the longer you look, the more stars you see. You ever get that and it just keeps opening and opening. And you know, scientifically, no, we've taken those big telescopes down. We pointed them at spots and just let them keep looking and they keep seeing they just it never stops it's that's the promise to Abram that his descendants would be more numerous than that more than the more than the sand you know on the seashore and I mean think if you pick up a handful of sand and start trying to count you can't it's just that's the promise so it's a vast vast promise and and um, and, and so think about the promise in the context Abram doesn't believe he's even gonna have an heir not one and God says, oh, no, you're going to have descendants so numerous that they won't be counted. That's, that's the promise God makes to Abram. So you've got to catch it in context. Um, you know, the blessings of God are beyond our imagination. They really are. We can't, we can't fully comprehend the blessings of God in our life. And, and how constant, and sometimes I, we forget. I, I, I'm shocked at how sometimes I, I you know, things will happen and I, I don't, I, I forget about it because it, and it's so amazing I was just talking with someone today talking about some of the stuff we accomplished at church little things like and I was up on a scaffold last, last year in the fall and I, I had to run some new cables for all these projectors and it was a little over my my um, my ability but I, that doesn't usually stop me <laughs> and so I was up there and, and uh, I had the scaffold up and was up on the scaffold and, and um, I started to to work on this thing, and seriously, um, that day, this, this, this group was using the facility um, for a little picnic, and the, some of them got there early, and two of them were electricians. I think four of them were electricians, but the two of them were electricians. They were watching, what are you doing? I told them, get off of there. <laughs> what? And what would have taken me all day? They did in about 45 minutes. 
All of a sudden, there's electricians with tools here. So, I mean, that stuff, that was so amazing at the time. I remember being overwhelmed by the goodness of God in that process, rescuing me off the top of that scaffold. And then, you know, and then I kind of over I'd forgotten about it until just, we were just talking about it. But it, God does that stuff all the time. Um, you know, it's not like you never, I mean, I've been up on that scaffold plenty of times when nobody showed up. But... <laughs> <laughs> but still, the point is, see, he's in it. And, and yeah, it's amazing how he does stuff. So, so always, always remember that. Um, verses 6 and 7, that was that key verse, verse 6. Abram, up to this point, really been dis- demonstrating his faith through his actions. But, but what, we f- what we find out is that it's his belief in the Lord, uh, you know, not his actions that make Abram right with God. So, you know, see, Abram believed in God, and God credited it to him as righteousness. So that's what it was. It was the belief that, that made the difference, not just his actions. You know, um, sometimes people want their actions to be what demonstrates their relationship with God, and it's not, because you can be acting right on the outside and have absolutely no relationship with God on the inside. But... Um, what God wants is you having a relationship with him, believing in him, having faith in him, living for him, and that over time, the outside will start to match the inside, not the other way around. So um, that's what, what's happening in that, that process. So, and really, the, the way that we have a right relationship with God, that righteousness means that, um, is by trusting in him. And then, uh, you know, our, our outward actions catch up to that, not the other way around. Then in those last verses, 9 and following, there's a pretty big deal here. This is sort of the, um, the carrying out of what's known as the Abrahamic Covenant. Um, the, the foundation for the Abrahamic Covenant was back in Genesis 12, but here in, in uh, Genesis 15, it's, it's sort of the actions are, are, are you know, sort of carried out, the, the actual um, part of it. And, and so this, this covenant is an agreement between two parties. And, and so these covenants, there were two types. There was a conditional covenant and an unconditional covenant. So a conditional covenant was also known as a bilateral covenant, and it was an agreement binding on both parties for its fulfillment. Both parties agree to fulfill certain conditions. If either party fails to meet their responsibilities, the covenant is broken, and neither party has to fulfill the expectations of the covenant. So that's a conditional covenant or a bilateral covenant. An unconditional or unilateral covenant is an agreement between two parties, but only one of the two parties has to do something. Nothing is required of the other party. And so the Abrahamic covenant is an unconditional covenant. It's a unilateral covenant. God made promises to Abraham that required nothing of Abraham. And that's significant that you understand that difference. Um, so uh, this is dealing with... Um, the, the um, part of the Abrahamic covenant, as I said, the actual covenant is, is uh, I wanted to read it to you, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household. Go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's the, the foundation of the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. But the ceremony is recorded here in Genesis 15. And it indicates the unconditional or the unilateral nature of the covenant. And so, the only time that both um, 
parties of a covenant. You see, when Abraham laid all that stuff out, what would happen is that the, the, they would pass through it, and that was a signification that the covenant had been made. All those things that he'd sacrificed, the split heifer and all those things. Um, if it was a uh, conditional or bilateral covenant, both parties would have to pass through that. Um, and, and, and then both of them would have to keep those commitments. But, but the, the significance that we see is that it's God alone who moves through the halves of the animals. And, and um, it's, it's, it's God and the representation of God in this is a smoking furnace and a flaming torch. Uh, and those, those, that's the representation of God. And so it's God, in effect, that passes through this, not Abram. Abram's put into a deep sleep so that, that he can't. It's a picture of the fact that this covenant um, is, is a promise by God that's not hinging on Abram to do anything. It's a, it's a promise from God. And, and so fulfillment of the covenant falls on God alone. And it, that's significant because it's, it's very similar to, the, to um, the, the covenant we have with God now in, in Jesus, the only begotten Son, who passed through between God and us and, and all who believe. Um, you know, we have a sign. Abram had the sign, you know, the, 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 the furnace and the, um, uh, you know, the he heating furnace. And, and um, our sign is that we're filled with the Spirit in the process. And, and God keeps the covenant. It's really cool. It's not by works, right? Um, we're saved by faith, grace, not by works. And it's the, his, his keeping the covenant. Even when we are faithless, He is faithful. Very significant will keep us away from understanding that um, from a works mentality where we're trying to earn it all the time, which we fall into. But that's sort of the highlights of Genesis chapter 15. I'm going to shut it down there. So if you would, you can turn the video off, please. And... Uh,